Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So about three weeks ago, Daniel Medvedev played and got through to the semifinals with a masterclass against uh, Diego Schwartzman. But uh, yeah, that doesn't feel like today. Lots has happened since then. Catherine Whittaker is here, though. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, and Charlie Eccleshare is making his first appearance in a while here on the Tennis Podcast. He's just swooped in <laughs> for a cameo. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. All right. Well, so, I'll tell you what, you've got to... <laughs> Better introduction than I did. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Yeah, but we have you. four octaves yeah. and decibels different. We have you on every day. I mean, sure, you know, familiarity yeah. breeds contempt. Or something. What can I say, <laughs> uh, Charlie? Well, let's emphasise the positives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, I mean, you know, the podcast is nothing without Catherine, so that goes without saying. The day that we've just witnessed has resulted in a massive play. We had five matches here at the Fever Tree Championships today and very nearly finished all of them. Mm. However, uh, Andy Murray will have to come back and try again alongside Feliciano Lopez, who is just playing all the time at the moment. And uh, he, alongside uh, Andy Murray, they, they won the first set against Dan Evans and Ken Skupski and then uh, uh, broke back late on before Bad Light intervened. What were your impressions of what you saw out there? I thought it was remarkably, it felt remarkably normal. Um, you know, I, I thought the contrast with yesterday where it was this big circus of, wow, Murray's back. Oh, my God, is Murray going to be able to hit a tennis ball? Oh, my God, Murray's incredible. You know, it was so up and down. <laughs> Today, it was kind of like... He's just taking the mick out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that was very much my, my inner monologue. Um, and then today, it was like, oh, yeah, Murray's just really good at tennis. Of course he is, and he's winning. And it just felt like the most natural thing in the world and impossible to believe that that was the space of 24 hours. You know, even, even the atmosphere, it felt... It was a nice, kind of chilled Friday night, and Murray was just doing his thing as if that was what always happens, which, of course, it used to be. But whereas yesterday, it just felt, I can't believe what I'm witnessing. Mm, it was giddy last night, mm. uh, in, in, both on and off the court. Catherine, um, what were your impressions? You know, Dan Evans. 
<laughs> sidled up to me a little Party earlier pooper on. Dan. He sidled up to me a little earlier on and he goes, told you doubles was easy, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> After he got through to, the, to face uh, Andy Murray and partner in uh, in the quarterfinals, and um, and he put on a good show. I, I walked up to uh, the legendary tennis journalist of many years, Richard Evans, who was just sat in front of the the TV having a nice uh, bit of uh, a nice few crisps and a, a bit of wine, and he was watching Dan Evans. He said Dan Evans is the best player on the court at the moment. So I didn't watch any of it, so I didn't know. But uh, what were your impressions? Uh, well, I mean, the, the irony is that Dan Evans could be a really great doubles yeah. player, I think. Yeah. <laughs> just on that, as well, it was funny, <laughs> sits surpass in his press conference. Somebody's was... just brought us another three beers. <laughs> Sarah Wooland, who's part of our digital team here at the Fever Tree Championship. And has been pitching Woolies Gossip Corner on this podcast has for she? seven years oh, now. Oh, she's yeah. just left. Sorry, folks. It'd but... be great, but unbroadcastable. <laughs> yeah, we would get arrested. Uh, yeah, Charlie, uh, where no, were you On the theme of doubles bashing, Sitsipas was, you know, talking about how he can't beat Alger Seam and it's just impossible. He's like, but I beat him in doubles, but I mean, who cares? You know, doubles is doubles or something to that effect. Wesley like, Coolhoff yeah. unfollows him yeah, on Instagram. Don't. And, you know, whilst we're all in this Murray afterglow, it was kind of like, no, that's the wrong thing to say. Mm. So anyway. D- I mean, doubles is having a moment, isn't it? Is in it, general, is it, yeah. a, is it a moment that is just temporary? No, I, I think it's coming back into fashion. I think even aside from Andy Murray, obviously this is a massive booster. Um, but it's definitely having a moment. Diego Schwartzman playing a lot of doubles. We were talking about, it feels like, yeah, most players that are having single success at the moment are, ha- are playing more doubles than, than would have been the case five years ago. Mm. I would, if I were advising a player as well, like, you know, in a PR capacity or something, I would advise them to play doubles. I think it's great for their image because you really get to. Know, I think you see a lot more of their personality playing doubles, and I think the way then the players then interact on social media with one another. I think it's really good fun. Um, you know, someone like Kyrgios, you know, we were talking about earlier, but I think he, you get to see a slightly different side of him playing doubles, and I think that's true yeah, with a lot of the players. You do, you do get to see a different side, and you and actually, we've talked about it in the past how we think it's good for their mental health. Hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Um, get that company because it's such a lonely existence. Yeah, I mean, Daniela was telling me earlier that uh, she 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 used this really strange. I mean, she was talking generally about you know Murray's comeback and and the the various aspects of of, of his story that she could empathise with. And uh, she was saying, I miss the alone time of being on a tennis court she said I, I now have to take myself off and go mm. for like really long walks because playing tennis used to be my my alone time wow that what an interesting mm. line that is she's so it's the loneliest place in the I world f- I think she is one of the the finds of the she's tennis yeah. punditry world over the last year and a half and uh, she sits next to Greg all day long yeah, yeah. and uh, they produce gold between them and uh she is somebody who I think we're going to just learn a lot more about over the next few years because I think there's a lot to learn, really, um, in terms of her views on, on things and, and also her, her own experiences. That's what, what I've noticed she really brings to, to, to when in your conversations. Is she, she puts herself from years ago in the shoes of players today. And she's so recently retired that she's still reckoning with her own mm. career. You can almost mm. see her having realisations 
um, before right, yeah. your very eyes. She's in love with the, cl- the Queen's Club, isn't she? she? She's misty-eyed about the Queen's Club, yeah. <laughs> we all are. She's yeah. really annoyed there was n- never a WTA event here. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Where do we get to? The tennis. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, Andy Murray uh, and fellow <laughs> players will be back on court tomorrow. Dan Evans, Ken Skupski, Feliciano Lopez, but uh, not before two singles matches have been played. Feliciano Lopez, incidentally, who needs to play the second singles, then he's got to come back and play this doubles, then he'd have to come back and play the doubles semifinals, has basically told us, I'll just go straight on. I don't need a rest. How fit yeah. is this bloke? He's 37 years old. Back to back to back. Has anyone ever played three in a row? Do we know? I mean, I guess it must have happened at some point, I but can't it does feel that. it does feel amazing on a, you know on the Saturday as well. You know, we're not talking about early He's rounds. He's right here. up for it. He, he yeah. volunteered. It, it doesn't it. even usually the order of play says after suitable rest. This one just no says need. after possible rest, <laughs> not even certain rest. I guess he can look at it as almost that first match, the first doubles match, could be like the warm up, and then he could just go straight in mm. the next. Not if even it, a warm up. If it was me, I'd want after pizza. <laughs> But anyway, I don't think they do that. So, Did you see as well? He's more than double the age of Alger, it seems. Oh. Uh, there was a great Isn't stat that, that uh, um, Matt Roberts came up with earlier that, that Alger and Yassim is People close. People don't know who that's, that's not his identifier. It no, it is now. Is he, it? He's graduated from student Matt to grad Matt to plain old Matt Roberts. Okay. Yeah. But he, he informed me that. Uh, Felix Ogiani I see him is closer in age to Vuk than he is <laughs> to Feliciano <laughs> Vuk uh, if you hadn't uh, some way. if you hadn't <laughs> followed the, uh, the, the Queen's Tennis social media channels has become a bit of a star by interviewing all the players he's only nine years old but he's way closer in age to uh, Ogiani Asim than is uh, Mr. Lopez and he shares a birthday Ogiani Asim with Federer doesn't he yes he does uh how good was he today oh, against okay. Stefano Tsitsipas? We all got it horribly wrong yesterday uh, because we all thought Tsitsipas would win. What did you think, I didn't. Charlie? Did we do those predictions? <laughs> I genuinely did. We predict that we all like, said Tsitsipas would win. Oh. Uh, I started it. <laughs> I guess the only thing the seven only, five six two. Yeah, I guess the, well the two telltales. One is this crazy record Alger Racine has against him of never having lost, and the other, I guess, was how fatigued Tsitsipas looked and had to play that crazily long match against Shardy so I suppose that might partly yeah, explain it FAA had uh, his match against Kyrgios yeah and if 37 year old Lopez is coping with playing a lot of tennis then True. I, he did take a heavy fall Sitsipas because uh, I, I didn't wa- I don't get to watch the matches as closely as I would if I wasn't at, at Queen's in the role I'm in but um from what people were saying, it was really close. It was five all, and actually, Sitsipas was probably playing the better tennis for those first ten games. He was the the aggressor, and uh, he was putting some pressure on. And then he took quite a heavy fall around about five six, and wasn't really the same again after that. Um, and it strikes me that more than anything, he looks like he doesn't completely trust his footing on grass just yet. He's a wonderful mover, isn't he? On clay and on hard courts. He's like a panther just mm. stalking his prey, going after the ball. And you never see any flicker of doubt in his mind about his, his movement. He's got wonderful footwork. But on grass, it's, just, it's a different property, isn't it? A different substance that you've got to get used to. It's psychologically, as well, um, I found it interesting, that fall, because Felix Auger-Ellis, he was looking over the other side of the net and approaching the net 
trying to catch his eye to say, you're all right, mate, and, and Tsitsipas deliberately avoided eye contact, just got up and turned his back on, on Auger Elysium. He's just completely in his own world, Tsitsipas. I mean, we know that. Vuk definitely knows that. <laughs> Their encounter is, I think, my favourite yet because of for all the wrong because of how perplexed Vuk was by him. <laughs> he went for the early handshake. It, yeah. Yeah, the last question after a series of sort of misfires <laughs> during which um Sitsipas starts explaining sort of artistic photography to a very blank-faced Vuk. The last question is what's your favorite animal and the answer the answer Sitsipas gives is at the moment peacock. <laughs> And Vuk just sort of does this long pause and goes, well, it was really nice to meet you. <laughs> it's, it's I so, think we've had enough here. It's so, so good. <laughs> when a nine-year-old's ending. Yeah. <laughs> He's just on his own planet, though, isn't he? He were, You know, Sitsipas wasn't trying to adjust his behaviour or conversation for the fact that Vuk was yeah. nine. Um, and it's asking funny about. questions. He was just earnestly, you know, when, why, why, you get a, first question, why don't you get a haircut? Well, I did have a haircut a couple of weeks ago in Holland. And then he turns to his team and goes, what, what day exactly was that haircut? And Vuk's just sitting there going, oh, mate, it wasn't about the haircut. I love him now. I love, I love Stefano Sitsipas because he just, he's like, this, this is me. Yeah, he's brilliant. And then he was talking about Algeria de Asim in his press conference and was just going on about how amazing Algeria de Asim is. He's like, he's the best player I've ever faced. <laughs> if, if he plays the big three, he'll beat them. He's, I've, he's, got, I've got the quote he, here. He plays that. I, I can't beat him. He's too good. <laughs> Listen to this. Stefano Sitsipas. He's beaten me every single time we've faced each other, juniors and pro. He's beaten me at Indian Wells. He's beating me here. He's beaten me a couple of times in juniors. I only beat him in doubles. I don't even count that. Uh, yeah, there's the doubles bashing. He has the whole package to play big, to beat, and I'm sure if he ever gets the, diff- the chance to play Nadal, Djokovic or Federer, he's going to beat them, for sure. I will not be surprised if he gets wins over those guys. We will definitely see him in the top five, maybe not this year, but next year or the year after. I would expect something like this. He's going to win slams. Greg's got him in his end-of-year top ten. I mean, he's got 35 players in that end-of-year top 10. <laughs> Murray's in there. Felix Auger-Aliassime is one of them. To be fair, he did go Auger-Aliassime in the top 10 at the end of the year. Pretty early. Yeah, he went big early. I mean, this is a guy who, Auger-Aliassime, who has played one Grand Slam match and he lost it. He didn't complete it. So yeah. How I, is that po- He's never won a Grand Slam match and he's going to be in the top 20 I mean, probably I've this week. I've won that many. Yeah, yeah. He's got as many as us. So... You know, and there's hope for all of us. Was that US Open last year? The Shapovalov retirement, yeah. yeah. That crazy. He has moved up in my estimation in the last two days significantly, and I mean, he, we. I always thought he was good. I think. I think maybe other people thought that he was better than I thought he was. I couldn't quite see a late adopter. All right. <laughs> no, but most people crow about how they were early adopters. I spotted him when he was four and a half years old. And <laughs> yeah. I always knew he was going to be. I mean, I, world I spotted one. him once I heard loads of buzz on social media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From that moment on, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking at the the makeup of his game in those tournaments that he was playing at in Indian Wells, and he was having these results, and I, I just couldn't quite work out how he was doing it I, I was thinking well what is what is it that hurts everybody else have you, have you seen his forehand yes I have but it's it's not like Del Potro's forehand or at least that's what I th- was looking at 
And then this last two days, to see him play three very different types of player, um, who, I can't remember who it was, who pointed out that they've all been the next big, big thing. Um, I think, I think in, it was... This was man it you? Here. Was it? Oh well, <laughs> congratulations, Charlie. That's why we have Charlie Eccles here on the podcast, so that I can quote him and completely forget all about it. <laughs> it's like when you tell someone a story and they told you that same story. <laughs> yeah, when you did that is awful. So, so you know what it is. At least I didn't try to pass it off as my own. <laughs> I was close. Um, I, I remember with um, and not here to try and claim that I found him or anything, but uh, when I was interviewing Algeriasim two years ago, oh, before anyone go. had heard of it, but oh. I spoke to um, I spoke to Brad Gilbert about it because Brad Gilbert you know likes to chat about young players and the thing two things he said stuck in my memory one is that he moved like the wind that was the thing that for Brad and Brad said the thing that if you're going to be an elite level tennis player movement is the absolute number one thing and I found that very interesting and he said Algeria seems movement is just off the charts was what he said you know in oi my- <laughs> oi impressions of my patch mate I've got some great Gilbert stuff and, and then he um, he he uh, was then, he, he then said he's basically imagine Djokovic with a really big serve and I was like that is an enormous claim to make about someone but I do kind of know what he means and then he drew a comparison with his own time and how much easier it was to become a you know a top level player then and he said you know back in my day with Andre you'd have a couple of cups of coffee and boom you're in the world's top hundred and I like that anymore <laughs> that also stayed in my memory it's going to stay in mine as well after that. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, so, um, f- f- so what happened here with Ojeani Asim is the match against Dimitrov, the, the, the standard comfortable way that he beat him, followed by the way he just dealt with the histrionics of Nick Kyrgios, who incidentally got fined $17,500 today by the ATP supervisor for unsportsmanlike conduct in that and his other match that day. And then today... He, he just has no weakness, no discernible weakness, uh, and also he has power, and also he looks huge on the court, and he moves in a way that he seems to not only have the athleticism and the balance, the, the court surface, the way that it's causing a problem for Sitsabas to move is not causing Ojiani Asim a problem, and he also anticipates. And he always picks the right shot. I really feel like shot selection that it is something that is setting apart the real deal next gen from the the Shapovalovs, the iffy next gen. If you're given up on Shapovalov, no, I, I, I just mean that's the, they're kind of as much as their best pals. It's interesting they're polar opposites in that way, aren't mm-hmm. they? You know, you put Ajaradi Asim as that he has that shot selection gift, and Shapovalov that's probably his biggest weakness. Mm-hmm. He's got all the shots, he just doesn't have the selection. I, I think that's one of the hardest things to to teach and to yeah. learn mm. um yeah he, that's he, that that is what blows my mind he never tries to be that little bit too cute he, he never, does always he always points out though when asked how are you doing this he's very quick to say well a lot of hard work you know i've mm. been doing this for years and interesting to hear you talk about you, you your interview with him two years ago charlie it was they were building the base back then oh yes okay there were some highlight moments that everybody can think oh yeah well he did this at that age and so forth but it's more about just creating that foundation isn't it another clang early adopter story but uh, (laughs) at the French Open four years ago so when he was 14 um, I asked the um, 
the the person that, that manages the media for for the juniors at, at the Grand Slams. You know who's your who your uh, men's and women's number ones at the moment, and it, it was uh, it was all Gerard Yassim. Uh, and I asked a bit about him, and she said, "Yeah, he's absolutely the real deal." Sung his praises tennis-wise. She said, "There are agents absolutely crawling all over him. They're they're oozing out of his pores. Mm. You know, the whole every seat in the stands for his matches is agents pretty much, and his parents are refusing to signing up to an agency until he turns pro." And it, I mean, the head he has on his shoulders and the groundedness is. I mean, I don't think that's an accident that mm. that his parents had that approach mm. um, and that he has turned out to be the the level-headed so young man that he is. so calm. Yeah. Even the way he, the sound, his voice is so... I know. I mean, I'm 45 and I'm not that mature. <laughs> he, so yeah. It's a strange question for you. How do you recall how tall he was when you spoke to him he a couple was of years tall. ago? I don't think he was... Because he's 6'4 now. I don't think he was quite that, but I do <laughs> remember... I mean, he was a lot thinner then as well. Because he's expressed some anxiety about the fact he could still grow yeah he says i feel like i'm the perfect height at the moment at six four but if i grow any more that balance could tip dramatically he did could, you find that he, david he could still be growing yeah I, I, I managed seven inches when i was about 18 uh so you know that i was hoping to get six four and then it got silly so <laughs> Stephen Merchant does quite a funny riff on that, actually. But um, it, it's interesting as well with uh, the height things. I did a piece with a Pelker, who's obviously six foot eleven, pushing seven foot, and he was. And I was asking him about, is this the future of men's tennis? You know, these giants. And he said the optimal height is that kind of six four, six five, six six. And we're seeing that with so you know the majority of these guys. You look at Medvedev, Sitsipas, Azarovsky, Hatchinov. They're all in that little window. Zverev. Um, and that's been a really big change. And I think you much taller than that, and you, and you do struggle mobility-wise. Yeah, I mean, I'd have been all right if it had been three inches smaller. I'd have been definitely a contender. I think if you're big, though, you, you've <laughs> got to have a big serve. That's where you... I've got a big serve. I don't know where it's going, but I mean, it's big. It was the most disarmingly not big serve I've ever rel- relative to expectations. That was five years ago, Catherine. You've not. Oh, seen you've, you've beefed up since yeah. then, have you? Right. <laughs> okay. I tell you, pumping iron since then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break, or even the latest bit of aggro. 
And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Daniel Medvedev, 6262 over Diego Schwartzman. I thought that would be really close. Didn't turn out to be close at all. Another match today, and I'd say the same for Orgerelli, Asim Sitsipas, um, which shows just how much match-ups are everything in tennis because Schwartzman looked brilliant against Marin Cilic. She thought, oh, this guy's a grass quarter. Wow. Um, you know, he made Cilic look ropey and... Uh, yeah, he 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 looked. I, I he was an example of us saying, "Wow, you know, all the doubles he's playing, French Open doubles, semi-finalist. He was a finalist uh, in the doubles with Dominic Team in in Madrid. You know, it's really paying off. He's not afraid to come to the net. He's being really intelligent about when to approach. You know, we're talking about him as an all-court game grass quarter, and then suddenly he comes out against Medvedev today and just doesn't have." any answers at all to the Medvedev what, Why, Medvedev was, why was that? What was Medvedev doing well? Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting, again, you talk about matchups because you, you might superficially be like, oh, yeah, Schwartzman's good against six-foot-six-inch big servers. You know, he did it against Cilic. He will therefore do it against Medvedev. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Medvedev was able to bring his game to bear in a way that Cilic really struggled with. Yeah, Medvedev was making saying to Schwartzman you're going to have to be aggressive here and go for it and Schwartzman was like uh, no that's that's not my thing both wanted to be counter punches yeah but Medvedev's better at it on mm. a grass court his game is so tailor made for grass it's it's more Djokovic-esque by the day isn't it I was going to say he's one of the few people who will happily try and out Djokovic Djokovic so well he'll get his chance tomorrow because he's playing Gilles Simon oh god uh, who that match might never end. Who, who, who beat Nicola Mahu 7-6, in three hours and 20 minutes. It is the longest match on record here at the Queen's Clubs since they started measuring it in 1991, 28 years ago. So Mahu now has the Queen's and Wimbledon <laughs> records. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good stat. And a claim to fame. And lost both and of them. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, didn't, he, didn't he also lose a final here having had match point? I mean, come on, Charlie. Give the bloke no, a break. I mean, just, he, he, he is one of those unfortunate a souls. a pub quiz question yeah. answer waiting to happen. Yes. I'll have to hurry, teams. Uh, yeah. However, yes, it was 2007. He missed Against Roddick? Forehand into the tape. Against Andy Roddick on match point. Can I do my best ever name drop seeing as you've brought that up this better be good I watched that match with Scylla Black that is incredible I wasn't expecting that here right. on the tournament director's balcony yep. she wouldn't have said that she was watching it with me no that's <laughs> but true. I was stood right in the next to her of Black. and I was very much watching it with Scylla Black right. she wasn't aware I was there but 
we shared that experience together. Well, the good news is, tennis podcast listeners, Google is available and you can find out who that is. <laughs> Silla Black? Not everybody was around then and not everybody is from our aisles and knows who that is. Unbelievable. I don't... Uh... Okay, oh, yeah. maybe they do. Uh, for she was cheer- she was cheering forcefully for Andy Roddick. Right. Okay. Insight. <laughs> <laughs> really relevant <laughs> insight. Uh, it's that kind of uh, time of the tournament now. Uh, slightly starting to lose my marbles personally. Um, so that's what's happened at Queen's Day tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Medvedev, uh, Medvedev against Simon. Who's winning that? Medvedev. Medvedev. And then we've got Auger Aliassime against Feliciano Lopez. Auger Aliassime. For me as well. Although Lopez does feel like an irresistible force. So we're having a Medvedev week. against Auger Aliassime final. All three of That's us. That's quite cool. That would be mm. quite cool. Yeah. What about this resumption of Dan Evans against, and Ken Skupski against Lopez and Murray? It's a set to love for Murray and Lopez, but they're 4 5 down on serve. But they'd just broken back, hadn't yes. they? The uh, Evans and Skubski served for Saves it. Saves a set points. Yes. Uh, I, I think Murray Lopez are coming through that. So do I. Then they've got to play against Henry Continon and John Pierce. I think they'll lose that. Yeah, I mean, logic, logic says you're right. Catherine's got that sort of, but I just think it might happen. Yeah. Looking right. I just think it might happen. Okay. And then on the court one, Bob Bryan and Mike Bryan against Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. We've got the Paul Hutchins trophy going on at the moment with the junior teams of the United States and Great Britain against each other. There's the wheelchair championships, Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed in action. That's all going on. I'd like to say you could get tickets, but you can't. It's a complete sellout. Until about five hours ago, there were three sets of brothers in the doubles. Hmm. Yeah, I feel it, because I've I noticed in the piece I was writing today, the word brother kept popping up. I was like, oh, and that's his brother. And he was being, <laughs> that's his brother, and I think someone else's brother. Yeah, and not all brothers were on the same side of the court. It was all no. a brotherly mess. Only one brotherly team. Yes. Actually, apparently you can get ground pass <laughs> access if you'd like to come tomorrow. <laughs> and then you can watch some Not that he wasn't Media listening director to our, declares our tickets not available. Yeah, which is slightly correct, right, in case I get in trouble. Oh, uh, Pierre Hugobert is having a bit of a run of form ever since uh, announcing, or Andy Murray announcing for him, that he they're going to play doubles together. He had some interesting things to yeah. say to L'Equipe today. Mm. What did he, he say? Um, he was just explaining the decision. He admitted that it... Yeah. It's a tough one for Mahu. He admitted that that's awkward. Yeah, but um, he did say he was like, you know, Mahu played with Federer once, so it's kind of yeah. Fine. He said, "Oh, I, I hope he'll understand because Mahu had the chance to play with Which Federer wasn't like 2011 was or something in, in, in Brisbane, Brisbane. Yeah, in Brisbane, um, and yeah." He, or maybe a bit more recent, but it certainly wasn't as recent as I thought. Isn't he? He's self-justifying yeah. he knows. because he feels bad about it because. We know yeah. they do love one another, and they've probably bit, had some awkward conversations this year. Um, and I'm, I mean, Nick, particularly Nicola after he seems lovely, he'll be all right with Particularly after he said he was going to concentrate on his single. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Do you think Nicola Mahu is furiously making phone calls to get himself a an awesome doubles? He's partner playing for with that Eduardo Roger Vazelan. Okay, is it's not the it's not <laughs> quite the rock star name. Right? I, I, yeah, that's I'm not mind. exactly going to. Yeah, I was thinking really Federer slash Nadal. I think he's busily yeah. deleting 
Ugo Bear off the old Instagram. Well, they're playing together, though. They're playing together at the US Open. So it's a bit of a, uh, it's a, bit of a strength. They're getting back together for that Have one, they confirmed apparently. that? That's, that's what Mahu said. Oh. Um, oh. So I guess it, that they're all right, then. It's a bit of an odd one. But it does feel a bit like a breakup where you're like, you know, I just want to be single for a while and then a few weeks later with someone else. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Pierre Oog. <laughs> um... We can talk about other events. No. Yeah, Roger no. Federer, <laughs> that bloke, uh, in Halle, has beaten Roberto Bautista Gert six four in the third. That's two consecutive three setters. Alexander Zverev has lost seven six in the third to David Goffin. Oh dear. Yeah. It's not getting any better, is it? I actually Just I genuinely today the, the did a piece on Sitsipas Algeria Sim, and I was saying how they feel like the kind of in boxing terms the kind of mandatory challenger to the big three you know it feels like those two are the guys I genuinely took me a moment to think oh yeah there's also Zverev who is the world number five but just at the moment uh, I don't know about you guys but he seems so his trajectory seems so the other way from Sitsipas and Auger and there are points dropping off that world number five but it could it could start to plummet quite Mm. quick I mean not you know he's not going to drop outside the world's top 100 but he could not be a top 10 player quite soon Mm could be so we'll see what happens to him at Wimbledon uh, Birmingham Ash Barty beat Venus Williams 6-4-6-3 could become world number one if she wins the title on Sunday Ash Barty yes that's cool that's although cool. we're off Ash Barty we're yes not, yeah she, she put out the loveliest quote about her Andy Murray uh, rejection, which she, uh, which she basically did. Um, and uh, uh, the, the quote was something along... Let's see if, see if I can find it. The, the quote was, yeah, when, when I got the text from Andy asking if I, uh, if I, if I wanted to play mixed doubles with him, uh, it was one of the... I think she said it was the hardest decision she's oh. ever had to make. Imagine that. Oh, and yeah, this is someone that's hardest retired from tennis and I've started ever, a professional yeah. cricket career yeah. and then made the decision to try and return. Oh, I feel, I feel awful. <laughs> I regret. She, but she still made it. She dumped him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not happening. So, uh, uh, Andy Murray's still Shara got Shara Pove is up for it, though. Yeah, she's yeah. put out the feelers. That was... That was a... Andy Murray... That was a, that's like... Who made his thoughts quite very painful. clear? She feels, yeah, feels kind of increasingly less relevant. I mean, she's obviously barely played, and but yet still has this huge following. But. She's neither currently relevant nor has any um, pedigree mm. in doubles. Yeah, Not, n- none at all. But she's up for it, Andy. Yeah. Um, what other results have we had in Birmingham? Today, I've got the results here. Yulia Gerges has beaten Yulia Petinsova, 6-3-6-2. Petra Martic won. Remember when she was playing well at the... F- Where was she playing well? French Open. French mm. Open. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Yelena Ostapenko, she beat in three. Uh, Barbara Stritseva. finally had been playing quite well. Yeah. Mm. Barbara Stritseva, who is another player who's uh, tweeted her determination to catch the eye of Andy Murray as a mixed doubles partner. Uh, has beaten Christina Pliskova. Is it that one? Yeah, yeah Christina Pliskova. she beat Carolina the other day. That's right. Uh, so that's what's happened in Birmingham. In Mallorca, no doubt Sevastova has won because she yep. always wins. She beat Ye Fan Wang. Yeah, she's always in the final there. Uh, and uh, it's Kerber, Bencic and Kenin. These are all the names that are going to be featuring in the semifinals tomorrow. So that 
just about does it for another edition of the Tennis Podcast. Charlie, lovely to have you with us. Lovely to be here. Are you going to come back with us at Wimbledon? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Should we settle a bet on a, well, not a bet, something close to the Tennis Podcast equivalent of a bet? Does it mean me winning? Charlie, would Nick Kyrgios drop shot Andy Murray? Not drop shot. Underarm serve. It's been a long day. Would he definitely drop shot him? Would Nick Kyrgios underarm serve Andy Murray? Uh, I think if I had to go one way, I would say he would not. But I wouldn't. We've been the tennis podcast. But I wouldn't tell totally you about that. Four-one. Four-one down. I am according to uh, uh, this. This sort of unofficial in-person pole vault. Let's get the real version on pole vault of 1,196 votes uh, that we've had at Tennis Podcast, uh, 60% of which have said yes, he would underarm serve Andy Murray, uh, against Andy Murray, which is the right answer. 60% of people less informed than Charlie Eccleshare. And we are brought to you in association with <laughs> Telegraph Executive, produced by TennisBalls.com, uh, with our mascot reel with a Y, and we will be back after the semis. Bye. 